Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John continues in the series entitled Heart Attacks. This is part number two, and it is subtitled Symptoms. And now here is Pastor John with today's message. Um, John chapter 10, Matthew 22 and Luke chapter 4. Um, so the Lord has really, has really led me in a, in a unique, different direction today. Um, we are talking about uh, heart, it's a series called Heart Attacks. Heart Attacks. We're talking about the ways that the enemy has attacked our hearts, our inner man. Um, and I feel like because first service was really tough this morning. Uh, and I sense the same kind of thing in, in this service. Um, and so I want to I do something different. I have not had surgery, praise the Lord. Um, but I, members of my family have. And, and I know what happens that you have a pre-op appointment, right? You go in and, and they sit down with you and they tell you what's going to happen. And they tell you uh, all of the procedure and, they, and, and all of that deal. And they don't... They try not to intimidate you with the pain of what you're about to experience. And so they always come in and they just pull up a chair and they just sit down and be nice. They, like if they sit down, it's going to be less painful for you. So I'm trying that today. I'm pulling a surgeon, surgeon's um, technique out and I just want to try to take some of the stress off. When you talk about inner healing and deliverance, <clears throat> when you talk about heart attacks that we face in our lives, um, it can be intimidating. It can be painful. And so what a lot of people do is they say, I don't want anything to do with that. Y'all, I reckon y'all can just go down. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. So we're about to have, it's really going to be a God moment or just about to be a train wreck, but I don't want y'all to be here for it, okay? So um, <laughs> just like keeping it real today. Um, when you start talking about this topic, people a lot of times withdraw. And they're like, listen, I've already been through that stuff in my life. The last thing I want to do is face it again. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. It's over. It's in the past. And let's move forward. Um, the problem is it's not necessarily in the past. Um, so when you go in for a pre-op, it's a little easier for the surgeon because you already know you have a problem right? That joint doesn't work or the tumor's growing or, or whatever, and you already know the deal. And the problem for most of us in the church um, is that we don't know we're sick. We don't recognize the symptoms. And so today I want to talk about the symptoms of the heart attacks that we've, that we've been under. And, and here's the goal. Um, I want you to be free so what I don't want to do today is talk about how terrible the surgery is. 
I don't want to. I don't want to bring like bring out the scalpels and stuff. Do surgeons ever do that? They ever like now this one right here is gonna be. It's gonna hurt like a mug right here, man. I'm telling you, now you're gonna bleed like a stuck pig. They don't do that, right? You don't focus on the pain of the surgery. You focus on the. You focus on the the, the pleasure of being pain free, or of having this thing that's causing you problems removed, right? So, um, so I want you to understand what we're talking about here today is not the pain of healing. It's not the pain of deliverance. It's the pleasure of freedom. It's, 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 it's experiencing maybe for the first time in your adult life, um, what it's like to walk a day without the symptoms of your heart attack. Okay. So, uh, and, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and just, just lay it all out here. I am really, really talking to men today because here's what's happened. So we had a lot of, I had a lot of response this past week. I've getting text messages, people that, that are communicating with me, telling me about the freedom that they've walked in about, uh, just about what God's doing in their lives already and setting them free from the, the tragedies and traumas and trials of their lives. Um, so I noticed two things. One, I noticed that these are people that God was already working in before last week. And so they just heard kind of what was the introduction last week. And they just, they just jumped in head first. And God is already beginning to bring healing in their lives. And praise God. And that's cool. That's awesome. The other thing that I noticed is they're almost exclusively female. Um, and so I, and, and so today I preached what I had prepared and there's nothing wrong with what I had prepared. What I had prepared was good. Um, I looked in the altar, all women, and there was a bunch of men. There was good attendance in the first service, bunch of men. So, um, I, I want, I'm not, this is not exclusively for men today. This is for everybody, but us guys are a little, um, slow sometimes, uh, because of the way we've, because of the way we've been trained, right? You, you don't show emotion. You don't feel anything. You just, uh, what, what, what do we get told when we get hurt? I'll rub some dirt on it. You know, suck it up, quit whining and go on. And listen, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to manly men. Okay. I'm like, I'm there with that. I've, I've used uh, our f- most frequent parenting phrase in our house is if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. So get up, knock yourself off, quit being stupid. It won't hurt so bad. Y'all pray for our children. Um, so I'm, I'm down with that. But there, there, there's a threshold there somewhere. Like when the kids break their arm, you don't say, oh, just spit on it. And you'll be, uh, spit on it? It's broken. So it has to be fixed and it has to be fixed right. Because if it's not fixed right... You lose range of motion, you lose feeling, you, use, you, you lose the use of it eventually. So there's a threshold of pain that I'm talking about that we can't just say, just get over it. Um, there's, a, there's a level where we have to say, that hurt. It hurt. And it doesn't make you less of a man or a woman. It, it really just makes you honest and real to be able to say, I am not okay. Okay. Now I'm gonna. I'm trying to be uh, as honest and open with you as I can about the journey that I've started towards healing. Um, Now, some of the issues that I've dealt with are also connected to other people in my life 
Um, and, I, and I have to be sensitive about how I share and what I share, okay? So, because not everybody's on the same, on the, in the same spot of the healing process. Um, but, but I want to be real honest with you. Part of, part of the conversation that we had to have in, in my healing process was that, and I chose to do it with people uh, to help me through the process. And somebody said, um, you're going to have to rebuke this lying spirit that you have. I'm like, excuse me? I, I've been in church since nine months before I was born. I mean, I like even, I even believe this stuff. I mean, I, I don't lie. And I was, I was confused for a minute. And she said, the, the lying spirit comes in that you tell yourself you're okay when you're not. Or when people who actually care about you ask about you, you lie to them and tell them you're okay. And I went, oh, yeah, that spirit. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, because I do that all the time. I suspect most of you do too. Um, and it's, some of it's from privacy, some of it's from the, just the depth of the pain, and you don't want anybody to see how bad you're hurting. Most of it, some of it's pride, whatever it is. So uh, really why I'm, why I'm doing this is because I need the walls to come down so we can talk. Okay? So I don't want to stand over you in the pulpit and, and preach at you. I need to talk to you as a surgeon as somebody who might be about to lead you down a process that's going to cause some pain so that on the other side of the pain you can be healed and set free. So that's what we're, that's what we're talking about today. So I want to talk about the symptoms of uh, heart attacks. But I want to remind you, some of you weren't here last week, and I want to remind you uh, where this comes from. So uh, where do we start? John, John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. He said, yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures because he's the good shepherd. Verse 10, the thief's purpose, uh, there's a contrast set up here. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, we know that. We talk about that all the time. But there's a contrast set up. It's not, Jesus wasn't trying to give glory or focus to the enemy. He said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who's them? The sheep, that's us. Those who are saved, who've entered through the gate of Jesus. He said, the enemy, what the enemy wants for you is to steal, kill, and destroy every area and aspect of your life. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Okay? Uh, Let's look at Matthew 22, somebody came to Jesus and asked him a question and said, teacher, what's the greatest, the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you have to love the Lord your God. Now look at how he said you have to love, because he didn't just say love. He said you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Heart, soul, and mind. And then he said you have to love your neighbor as yourself, and this is, this is the first, and that was the first and greatest commandment, this is the second equally important. He said all the law and the prophets hang on those two things. And, and, and as you continue to read the, the um, message of Jesus, you recognize that all of Christianity hangs on those two things as well, love God and love people. So that's what Jesus wants for us, and that's how our relationship with God is supposed to work. We have to love him, how? With our heart, mind, and soul. Now, there's one more scripture I want you to see in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I'm reading in the Amplified Version so you can read um, especially the definition of the word oppressed. So Jesus stands in the, pool, in the, in the um, synagogue of his hometown and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, he's, and, and me is the Holy One, the Messiah, that's Jesus, to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor. 
He sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered. Now I want you to, this is the one I especially want you to pay attention to, to send forth as delivered. It's an, it's an accomplished work. Those who are oppressed, or what does that mean? Who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken by calamity. And that word means tragedy. And so what we've been talking about is the tragedies, the triumphs, and the trial, no, sorry, the tragedies, the traumas, and the trials of our lives have crushed us, broken us, um, bruised us, down, made us downtrodden. They've oppressed us. And, and the, the, the last part of what Jesus made his mission statement is to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. So he came, just as much as we believe that he came to save us, we have to believe because it's in the same statement that he also came to heal us and to set us free. You can't, you can't be biblical and believe one and not believe the other. He came to heal you and to set you free, not just from your sins, but also from the things that have broken you and crushed you and oppressed your life. And that is the stuff that the enemy has tried to use to steal and kill and destroy. See, when you go through stuff, he tries to, the enemy tries to maximize the, the pressure. He tries to maximize the pain so that it hurts more, so that it gets in there deep. And then he twists it and he keeps you in bondage to that pain unless you learn how to deal with it. So we're going to talk about a process of healing so that you can... Um, you can learn how once you get healed, you can learn how to stay healed because healing's not permanent. Freedom's not permanent. You can go back into captivity. Healing's not permanent. You can allow the hurts and the tragedies of your, of your life from the point that you were healed until present to accumulate again and be just, just in as bad a shape as you were, okay? So that's the premise of the message is that we have these pains. Now, the problem is too many of us don't recognize the pain in our lives. We don't see it for what it is. And, and sometimes because we've been carrying it for so long, it's just natural. You don't know what it's like when you have a limp that you've had all your life. You don't know how to walk without it. So it's just become a part of who you are. And so what this is about today is recognizing your need to talk to the surgeon. Recognizing your need to have the surgery, not so that you can be in pain, but so you can be out of pain. Okay? So here's the, I want you to understand, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it's really important for us to understand today. We were created in the image of God. We were um, uh, we have, we are three part being just like he was father, son, Holy spirit. We are body, mind, and soul or body, soul, and spirit. Okay. The body is this outside stuff. Our inner man is our soul and spirit and our inner man, um, in our inner man is this struggle for control. See, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Our spirit was dead. Um, and our soul was dead. When we got saved, Jesus brought our spirit back to life. And, and it says in Romans that he joins our spirit, his spirit with our spirit, brings it back to life. So now we have a redeemed spirit, but we have an unredeemed mind and will and emotions. 
And that's the, that's the part of the soul. That's the inner man, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So everything that we think, everything that we feel, and everything that we do is, is from this inner man. And in our inner man is this struggle. Are we going to walk after the spirit or are we going to walk after the flesh? Are we going to, are we going to do it God's way or are we going to do it our way? And, and I, what I want you to see today is, is um, something we always use at graduation for graduating seniors. But this is a principle that God wants us all to operate by. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You've heard this, right? And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Right? That's the King James. That's the most frequently quoted. And we do that for graduation. That ain't just for 18-year-olds. It's for us. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lean to your unrepentant mind. Don't lean to your soul that's still in the process of being renewed day by day by the transforming of our minds. He he said don't lean to that. Lean instead on on acknowledging God in everything that you face so that you you can walk in His ways and get to His destination. And His destination for us is what? A rich and satisfying life. So that's the contrast I want to set up for you. I want you to understand that's what he wants us to do. Now, what happens is when we face these pains, if we don't lean, if we haven't learned to lean not to our understanding but to his, then we're going to wind up um, getting hurt. And the symptoms of that pain shows up in, in, in three different ways. And I want to spend really a lot of time on two of those, and we'll talk about the third one. So here's the first way that symptoms show up in our lives. So this is how you're going to know whether or not you have, um, you have, have had a heart attack and you haven't healed from. Here's the first one, and that's uh, stubbornness, strongholds of the mind. Strongholds of your mind is, is where the pain shows itself. Strongholds of the mind. And I'm going to set it up as stubbornness versus humility. Stubbornness versus humility. Um, y'all don't know any stubborn people, do you? Please don't point. That is so rude. Um, stubborn people. And I think all of us are to some extent, some of us more than others. And I want to show you uh, the biblical context of this in Second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 10. Paul said, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. You do realize you are not defenseless and you are not unarmed. You are not, you've not been disarmed. You have mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, but mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. And and so Paul said, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their, their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Okay? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're powerful. They're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, taking captive every thought and bringing it under subjection to the will of Christ. Even those things that have exalted themselves against the knowledge of Christ. Some symptoms of your heart attacks are in the mind. 
There are strongholds in your mind. There are ways of thinking that have you locked in. They're mental strongholds. And people get so established, they get so established in there that people become inflexible about certain things and areas of their lives. Certain ways of thinking about a person or about a situation or about uh, an institution. They get locked in. And sometimes they're just inexplicably stubborn about something. Like they're just ridiculous about it. Now, let me give you a few examples so that you understand what I'm talking about. I have had people that I've worked with in in my life in ministry, good people, saved people, lovely people. But they have such insecurity that they believe they believe honestly that they are always the, the least prepared, they're always the least qualified, they're always the ugliest, the poorest, the, the least qualified, that they're like, if you're on a scale, if, if there's a scale of one to 10 in a room, they're always a one. That and I've called them, there are people in our lives that we've met that Valerie knows, I've described them as an uninflatable balloon. Like you can't pump the, the encouragement into them fast enough to, to overcome the holes that they have in their lives. There's such insecurity in their lives that it's become a stronghold. It's a stronghold for them. Okay? Another example. I had a conversation with somebody this week. And this is a person who had lost someone close to them. And they were really struggling with that. And they were struggling with survivor's remorse. You understand what I mean? They're like, why did that person have to go and I'm here? Why are they gone and I'm not? And they were really having a hard time with that in different areas of their lives. And the Holy Spirit just quickened me and I just said, have you ever said, I don't deserve to be happy because that person's not here to be happy? And that person said, yeah, that's exactly what I said. And I said, listen, that's an inner vow. That's an inner vow. And that's not spooky. That's not weird. It's a mental stronghold that you set up in your life because the life and death is in the power of the tongue. And you keep confessing that you don't deserve to be happy. And you eventually becomes a belief in your life that has to be renounced and it has to be broken. And it's, there's a, oh, good Lord, there's 10,000 of those things that you can do. I am never, or I will never, or men never, or women never, or pastors can't be trusted, or women are always going to hurt you, or, or whatever the thing is. We have these inner vows that become mental strongholds in our lives because we've confessed them to ourselves over and over again. And we have to, that causes, it causes self-sabotaging behavior. What happens when you decide that you, when you truly believe that you don't deserve to be happy? Then when something good happens to you, you have to find the bad in it. When something fun's going on, you have to find some work to do so that you don't enjoy yourself too much. You understand? And it's a stronghold in your mind. That's where it starts. And there's just, there's a ton of examples for the person who is overly, overly religious. Like I got to follow the rules. If I don't follow the rules, God doesn't love me. That's a problem. That's a mental stronghold that, that usually has a root in, in daddy issues. Usually has a root in, in not being accepted and being overly criticized and in, in being pushed away, rejected by your earthly father. And that affects your heavenly, the relationship you have with your heavenly father. So there's just all kinds of things. A person who always thinks they're right. Please don't point. But you immediately thought of someone. 
who always thinks they're right. That's a mental stronghold. It's a spiritual stronghold. Listen, remember Ephesians chapter 6. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't have any earthly enemies. So that stubborn person that drives you insane is not the problem. They're the victim of the enemy and the stronghold that's in their lives. So when you pray for them, you're not praying against the person, you're praying against the stronghold. You're praying against the attack of the enemy that's happened in their lives for which they have not healed. So when a person gets stuck in a pattern of behavior, you hear this from people who are addicted to different behaviors or different chemicals. And they're like, I can't not do this. I want to be free, but I continue to go back time after time. There's a, there's a root somewhere that you have to dig out. There's, there's a mental stronghold somewhere and you've got to get it broken. The good news is Hebrews, and I think we talked about this last week, Hebrews said that the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so sharp and so penetrating that it'll actually divide, divide, what did it say? Not just bone from marrow, it said soul from spirit. So it'll divide that redeemed part of you from that unredeemed part of you. And it'll help you understand, I'm not leaning, I'm not leaning to, to God's ways, I'm leaning to my own understanding in this situation and I need to fix it. It'll help you recognize the truth. Because listen, I don't, if, if it was daddy issues, I don't care what your daddy said. If it was mama issues, I don't care what your mama said. Or maybe you were hurt by a coach or a pastor or a teacher or a whatever. I don't care what anybody said. Let God be true and every man a liar. You have to believe the truth of the word of God. And the, and the word of God is the only thing that will penetrate in their, in their inner man to help them recognize you will never fuss it out of them, argue it out of them. You'll never convince them otherwise because they always think they're right, don't they? They're exhausting. So what do you have to do? You have to use the weapons of our warfare that are mighty for that particular battle. If you're facing an earthly battle, then there are weapons that you have to choose for that. But we're facing a spiritual battle, so you have to use spiritual weapons. And the main weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to help people recognize, I am believing a lie. And I'm believing a lie that came from some pain that's in my past. And you've got to break those things, you've got to break those things down. So the stubbornness has to be balanced with humility. Because most of the time this becomes an issue of pride. So you have to be humble enough to say, I may not always be right. I may have some things in my life that aren't, that aren't quite straight up with the word of God. And so I would say to you today, if you're still trying to figure out whether or not there, there are symptoms of a heart attack in your life, be humble. Humble yourself before the Lord. Ask him. Ask him. If there are areas of your life uh, from which you're not healed, and that may have set up a, a, a mental stronghold in your life, because that's part of the way. Remember, it's the inner man where the struggle is. That's, that's the heart attack. That's the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. So if there's a stronghold in your mind, that's a symptom of a heart attack. Here's the second thing, and we're not going to spend a, a ton of time on this, but... But you, I, I want you to understand, um, it also attacks you in your decision making, in your will. So if you have blind spots in your will, 
you have blind spots in your decision making, then that's, that's a symptom that, you, that you're hurt. If, you're, if you make decisions based on the pain that you've experienced, then that's a problem. And I want to set this up as selfishness versus sacrifice. See, you can't be a true follower of Jesus and live for yourself. You, you have to live for the kingdom. You have to live for other people. You have to love God and love others. So you, if, you are, if your decision making is always about self-protection, about self-advancement, then, then you know that you're making decisions. Your will is, is being compromised by some pain in your past. Because a true follower of Jesus is going to live open-handed. They're going to live a, a, a life that's open, that generous, that's others-focused. And if all of your decisions are made on, how does this affect me? What do I get out of it? How much is this going to cost me? How much is this going to be inconvenient to me? Then you're protecting yourself, and that kind of self-protection comes from some sort of pain that is unhealed in your life. Because you're like, John, I don't know about that. It's, it's reflex. Remember, we talked about that pain response last week is universal. When you, when, when you get hurt, you immediately withdraw and you protect that area of your body so that it doesn't get hurt again. So when you've been hurt in some area, you're going to immediately try to protect that area so that it doesn't happen anymore. And you see that sometimes in your will. Now, the reason we're not going to talk about that too much is because most of the time, Actually, I can't think of a way of a time when it's not. Our will is motivated either by our thoughts or by our feelings, right? So if we can identify the symptoms in our thoughts and in our feelings, then our will comes along if we do it right, okay? So here's the, here's the third area that I want us to talk about today, symptoms of a heart. How do I know if I need to do this inner healing stuff? How do I know if I need to open myself up to the surgeon's knife, it could be a stronghold in your mind. It could be a blind spot in your decision making uh, where you're just risk averse. And, and then the last thing is it could be extremes in your emotions. Extremes in your emotions. That means you are really, really emotional about certain things or you are really, really numb about certain things. Those extremes in your emotions are what indicates that there's a problem. It indicates that there's still some unhealed area of your life. It's probably our emotions that reveal the biggest, um, the biggest set of symptoms uh, from heart attacks. It's our emotions because they get out of whack. So you get this exaggeration. Somebody says some, something little to you and you just blow it out of the water. It's just huge all of a sudden. Or something happens that really should be huge and you just don't even react. You just cut everything off. So that's the indication that something is going on in your life. So let me give you some examples. If, if somebody mentions something from your past, some old boyfriend or girlfriend, some, some old boss, some church that you used to go to, and, and you just get enraged, and, I mean, your pupils dilate and you start talking through clenched teeth and you get animated and, and all the emotion comes back like it happened yesterday. You didn't heal from that. That is still raw. And you've got, you've got to get healed from that. Or no matter how, things, how good things are going... You can, never, you can never experience the joy. You can never feel the, the healthy pride that you should sense, that sense of accomplishment that you did something good. Nah, yeah, it's okay. I'm just glad it's over. 
Or no matter how, something, how bad something is, you're you just like, I've been through worse, whatever. You know, that's just how life is for me. That's a problem. Um, somebody brings up the Me Too movement, the, the sexual assault that, that people are talking about now. And you, I mean, you, if it's just, you just strike out and you start talking about that, that lady, especially if you're a, a lady, that lady shouldn't have been there. She shouldn't have been wearing that. She shouldn't have been doing that. She shouldn't have been saying that. This is her fault as much as anything. And, and uh, you know, all this kind of, she shouldn't be so weak. Just get over it. That's just the way the world is. There's some unhealed abuse, generally of a sexual nature, in your past that you're not healed from. Okay? We said we could be real, right? You do know, according to statistics, there are um, way more than a dozen women sitting in this place right now that has been sexually assaulted. And the numbers for men are not that, much, not that far behind. Okay? I'm not exposing anybody today. I'm not asking you to come forward. I would never do that. I'm saying there are deep-seated issues in your past that are still driving your thoughts, your decisions, and your emotions. And if you don't deal with it, you are not only missing out on freedom, but you're going to wind up hurting somebody else because hurt people hurt people. And you won't mean to do it. You won't want to do it. It's just going to happen. Because that's the way, that's the way it works. Here's another hot button. Some, something happens to your child at daycare. Some kid knocks him in the head with a whatever. And you lose your mind. You go charging up in there and you tell that teacher how incompetent and stupid she is and she needs to be watching your child better. And then you go charging in the director's office and you tell that woman that you're going to sue. You'll be talking to your attorney on the way home right after you call Fox 5. Right? You catch that parent in the parking lot and you tell them, I don't know why in the world you're raising these little criminals. Criminals. They're two criminals. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Diaz was a director at a daycare. She, she knows. You weren't on TV. Now, I won't even ask him. So people lose their minds. There's an issue in there. There's something. You see how outsized that is? It's not that you don't care about your kids, but good Lord, for real, you're going to blow the place up. There's, that was a sore spot. Some, there's a root there. You have to get down to the, to the root of that. Somebody mentions uh, a, a loved one that you lost years ago. And you just can't take it. You can't handle it. You, you, you either burst into tears and re- leave the room. You spiral down. Where you, you're you're going to be depressed for a month. And I'm not making fun. I'm not making light. I'm saying there's unhealed pain there that's being demonstrated through your emotions. And you've got to deal with it. You've got to find the root. This is not about placing blame. It's about finding the root. Okay? Um, because what happens is when you get the, and you have these traumas and tragedies in your life, when you don't heal from them, then they stay raw and they stay open. And then the next time something happens, it connects your current trauma with your past trauma. And it, and it blows it out of proportion. You feel it 
differently. You feel it in an amplified way that you wouldn't have if you'd gotten healed from it in the first place. And it can happen whether you had one trauma or, or, or three traumas, it, it, either way. You have this trauma response where all of a sudden you're back there again and all those feelings and emotions and everything comes out at the same time. Now this is especially true if you work in a profession in which you encounter people on the worst days and the worst moments of their lives. So if you're in a medical profession, if you're in law enforcement, first responders, even in ministry, when you get drug into everybody's crisis and everybody's trauma, it can add up, it can take a toll. And if you don't learn the process of healing through those things every stinking time, then it's it's going to pile up on you. And and eventually one of two things are going to happen. You're going to have this extreme response where everything's just killing you. Like everything is killing you because it's all piling up and you can't can't handle it. Or you're going to just cut it off. And you're just going to try to turn your emotions off. You try to be stoic. And you you go into this, that didn't hurt. I didn't hurt. That's just the job. That's just how it is. You learn to get over it. You learn to get past it. You don't. You don't learn to get over it. It does not go away. You don't, you don't stop being affected by loss of life. You don't stop being affected by the cruelty of humans towards other humans. You don't get over watching people suffer. You don't. You don't. You might have tried to turn that part of you off, but it's still in there. It still piles up, and you have to do something about it. Otherwise, it comes out sideways. It comes out in ways that you don't want, and it comes out in ways that you can't control. So it comes out, and we look at the professions that that deal with those things. We lose 22 veterans a day to suicide. From what? PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. They went through a trauma they did not get healed from. And and, and in most cases, multiple trauma after trauma after trauma, they compiled, they didn't know what to do, it overwhelmed their system, and they go into depression, they go into anxiety, they go into isolation, and, and 22 veterans a day take their own lives. Not because they're, 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 bad people, but because they're just overloaded, they don't know what else to do. And, it's, and, and the, the statistics are also startling for people in those first responder kind of, uh, of, of uh, occupations. The, the incident of alcohol and drug abuse, the incident of, of, um, of, of domestic violence, the, the incident of uh, uh, broken relationships are higher. Why? Not because they're bad people but because they have been through so much stuff that they never, they, nobody ever told them how to deal with it. So it's just sitting there. And it comes out with anger sometimes. It comes out, you're like, I can't believe all this, this uh, police brutality. They're not beating that guy up. They're beating up every guy that ever tried to hurt them or somebody else or, or tried to keep them from going home. Or, 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 or people that they arrested that before they faced their next shift, they were already back on the street. You understand? I'm not justifying anything. I'm trying to help you understand. And especially us guys. Guys go through trauma. 
It just sits different for us. You've got to get healed or it comes out some other way. The root of most of our, uh, of most of our emotions is fear. Most of the time, I don't even know if I should, oh, yay, thank you. The, the extremes of emotion, and I want to set it up as fear versus love. Most of our emotions are rooted somewhere in fear. You're afraid of something for some reason. And most of the time it's from some sort of past hurt that you have that never healed. So sometimes it comes out as shame. It's really fear. Fear that I'm not enough. Fear that I'm, fear that I'm not going to be able to make it. Fear that, that, that uh, I'm going to fall on my face and embarrass myself. It comes out as, as, as shame, but it's really fear. Or it, it comes out as, um, as insecurity. Sometimes fear uh, comes out as anger. Where you take, you, you are so afraid that you've seen, you've seen such bad things. And you're so afraid it's going to happen to you or to your people that you love. And you, it comes out as anger. And, and you are, you're trying desperately to protect them from something that you're afraid of. It doesn't come out as protection. It doesn't come out as love. It comes out as anger. So you get the controlling, the overly controlling spouse, the helicopter parent. It's fear. You're afraid of something that you're unhealed from, and you've got to get that taken care of. Sometimes it comes out just as this generalized anxiety, where you're just afraid something bad's going to happen. You don't know what. You got no evidence that anything's on the horizon. You just, you, you ever woke up with just this dread that something terrible's about to happen? And it's paralyzing. It's paralyzing. I experienced it when Zach was in the army. My son is 20, well, he'll be 26 next Saturday, won't he? Um, he was in the army for three years. And there were moments, I was, I was already full-time here. I wasn't the pastor yet. Yes, I was. There were, there were moments when I was in my office and I was so overcome with anxiety that something had happened to him in training. Something had happened to him. He's a, he was a tanker. He's a huge equipment, dangerous equipment. And I was so overcome. No, there's, listen, the, it, it wasn't that the car pulled up in the, in the driveway, you know? I had that fear too. Officers getting out. This is just out of the blue. Something happened to him. He got hurt. He got killed. And I couldn't breathe. The trauma of the situation had overwhelmed me. The trauma of sending my kid off to war. The trauma of sending my kid to the military where we don't know what's going to happen. And we can be men. And listen, I'll never forget the day we dropped him off at the hotel. You don't drop him off at the military base. Drop him off at the hotel. Somehow that's supposed to be less traumatizing. It ain't. <clears throat> so we got there. I'll never forget that because we got out of the car. I'm glad he's not here. I can talk about him. Uh, we, we, we got out of the car. He said, all right, Pop, this is going to have to be fast. I want to do it right now. I don't want you to come in. So Valerie had already, we'd already imagined we're going in, we're checking him in, we're going to set his room up. Valerie's going to put his toiletries out. You know, you're going to do, you're going to do the whole mama thing. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And we're going to like hang out and we're going to go get something to eat. And like 9.30 or something, he's going to push us out the door. Uh-uh. He said, I want this to happen right now. I can't handle this if y'all go in. 
okay. So I start telling Valerie, uh, it's time to say goodbye. And she said, what? <laughs> I said, he wants to do it right here, right now. She gave him a hug. Morgan gave him a hug. I put my girls in the car and I drove down 285. And I'm trying to drive and keep a hand on Valerie and keep a hand on Morgan. Listen, I ain't got that many hands. I'm trying to dry my own eyes. I'm trying to keep myself calm. It was a, it, it's a, it was a nightmare emotionally. And I, I probably n- never dealt with it. Probably, well, considering that I'm still crying about it, probably had not need to deal with that too. But you understand, everybody deals with it in a different way. But if you don't will, deal with it, it's still there. It's still there. you got to get that out. So you have this, this generalized anxiety that something bad happens. So we drop him off. We're traumatized by that. So now two months later, I'm just sitting in my office, and I'm just overwhelmed that something happened to my boy. And i got no evidence to prove it. You understand? And some of y'all deal with anxiety like that. It just comes out of the blue about the dumbest stuff. There's a root. There's a root. And you have to get down to it somehow. You have to do what it takes to get down in there, to dig that thing out, and to deal with it. And nobody, nobody likes it, nobody wants to do it, but that's what you have to do. So let me, that's the fear side. Most of our emotional issues are exaggerations or our numbness because we've like, nope, not dealing with that, just cutting it off. That comes from fear. I want to read, uh, Heather, I don't even know, First, first John, Second John. Third John? Yay, First John. Uh, verse 16 of chapter 4. We know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, as we lean not to our own understanding, but we acknowledge Him in all our ways, His love grows more perfect. So we don't have to be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Look at verse 18. Such love, what love? The Father's love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not, been, we've not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. You say, well, John, that talking about, that's talking about the fear of judgment. No, it says perfect love casts out all all fear. All fear. Paul said, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. Uh, he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He's given us power and love, love, and a sound mind. When we're dealing with fear, and when we have all these outsized emotions, all this stuff going on, it, we're, we're dealing with fear at some level. And that has to be counterbalanced with the love of God. We have to allow the love of God to come in and cast out our fear. And that happens in the healing process. So you're like, well, you know, this inner healing stuff, that's all just all superstitious mumbo jumbo, psycho babble, all this devil chasing weirdness. Not at all. At its very essence, inner healing is about learning to walk in the love of God. Learning to receive his love in every moment of our lives. And I don't, you know, kind of a spoiler alert, but that's really, that's the process of of walking in healing, of guarding your heart, is walking in the love of God all the time. We'll talk about that later. Um, So the process of healing 
is about going back to those worst moments of your life. Going back to those issues, those things you face, those traumas that you face that you've been trying to deny all these years but are left unopened. Going back to those and allowing the love of God to help you know what to think about it, how to feel about it, and what to do about it. That's really the surgery that I'm talking to you about. And so I've heard back from people, and I'm going to try to land this plane. I've heard back from people who say, why in the world would I even want to talk about that again? Why would I want to get in the worst day of my life? I've spent 20 years trying to forget it. Why in the world would I bring it up? Because you're not healed yet. Or you healed broken. You healed all jacked up. Zach got hurt the other day uh, on a call, disarming a couple of people and fighting and all that kind of stuff, and he broke two bones in his hand. He went to the hospital, and they said, well, you can either just let it heal, and you'll, we can put pins in it, or we can just let it heal, and you'll probably lose range of motion and lose strength. And he's like, no, listen, that's not, op- that's not an option. Fix it. Fix it. He was out of work for eight weeks, or on light duty, on desk duty, They did surgery. They put pins in there to get it right. But after eight weeks of doing what he was supposed to be doing, they could pull the pins out, which they don't do with anesthetic, by the way. And and he's healed up. He's ready. He can can go back. He He can do what he's supposed to do. If you don't get healed... You know what happens when you go to a when you go to an orthopedic specialist and you didn't heal right? They break that bad boy again. So there's really probably a couple different kinds of people in here. There are people who, for whom this is still raw, open wound, and you've got to learn to allow God to heal you from it. Or there are those of you who closed it up fast. That's going to be most of the men in the room. Closed it up fast. It's going to deal with it, rub some dirt in it, move on. God's going to have to break it so he can set it and help you heal right and give you a path forward. Okay? So listen, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. This is about freedom. Your pain is standing between you and freedom. Your pain is standing between you and intimacy. So listen, we're talking to to guys. Let me just break this on down. Your pain is standing between you and real intimacy with your wife. I said intimacy, an emotional connection. See, pain sits different with guys. It's usually anger. It's usually emotional uh, isolation. We go in our cave. Sometimes we never come out. We, we are unapproachable emotionally. We, we can't have intimacy with our wives. We can have physical relationship. We can't have intimacy because we close that part of ourselves off. So it expresses itself in addictions. It expresses itself in 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 an addiction to chemicals, an addiction to pornography, an addiction to sex, an addiction to all kinds of different addictions to hobbies. I've seen people who fish compulsively. Like it's not pleasure. It's there's they're driven to some hobby. Like, dude, you're working too hard to relax. 
Like you're spending 10 hours on your weekend trying to get yourself ready to relax? What in the world? Just go sit down. Something, it sits different with guys. Okay? So, uh, we've, got some, we've got some next steps that I, want you to, that I want you to do. Bree, wherever you are, come on and play something so they'll think I'm quitting. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure that you know, please decide today, this is real. It's real. And that you need to deal with it as a reality. The second thing I want you to do is invite you to do what I invited everybody to do last week, and that's begin to make your list. That's what I did as I started walking this journey several weeks ahead of you. Make a list. I made a list of the things that still caused me pain, things that still caused me to tear up. I clearly missed one or two. Got plenty of time. The things, the things that are still causing you pain, things that are still open, make a list. The things that make you numb, that make you just emotionally shut off, write them down. Just make a list. Third thing I want you to do is start to pray. Pray over your list. Pray over your, your understanding. Ask the Lord through, your whole, through the Holy Spirit. And he gives, him, he, gives us, he gives us the Holy Spirit to do what? Lead us and guide us to truth. Even the truth about ourselves. Even the truth about our pain. So ask him to show you. Ask him to give you strength. Ask him to give you humility. Ask him to give you courage to face it. To face it. You know, w- once you decide to have surgery, you just have to kind of get the guts. You just like, mmm, mmm, this is going to hurt, but I'm ready to feel better. Right? That's what you have to do. And the fourth thing is, out in the lobby, there's a table that, uh, that Cindy Diaz set up for us. It's, it's, it's got just a ton of resources. I don't care how you get healed. Just get healed. If you want a book, there's books out there for you to look at. And you can go get a book and read it and write by yourself, just you and the Lord. That's fine. If you want to watch a video, there's, there's videos, there's a list. Just go back and pick up, pick up the list. There, there are websites that you can look at. There are um, counselors. If you'd like to go to a professional, there are counselors. There are, some of them are free. Some of them are uh, take insurance. If that's what the route you want to go, go. Ain't nothing wrong with none of that. Okay? If you, whatever it is you want to do, Go do that. And if you already know, like I got to the point where I, once I recognized what was going on, I called, some, I called some people that I knew would pray with me and help me to walk through it. And, and most of them people I didn't even know, but other people trusted. And I said, help me walk through this. If you're ready for that, if you want the prayer team to help you walk through this process, then there's a place to sign up out there. It is private. You just grab a prayer card and then you, you turn it in and, and we'll get somebody to contact you and set up an appointment. fifth thing is the most important. Just do something. Just don't keep walking around like this. Just don't keep walking in bondage. Don't keep walking in pain. Don't keep walking with all of this stuff, dragging all this stuff around. Get free. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And that's that's where I got to. That's where I got to once I, I realized the pain that I was in and the sources of that pain. I said, I don't care what it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how painful it is. I don't care who's watching. I don't care. I'm getting free of this. I'm getting free. 
So whatever you have to do, do it to get free. Stay with me, please. Thank you for just kind of letting me do what I felt like I needed to do. I hope it sat better with you than it did in first service. Um, what I'm what I'm hoping is that every person here, we're going to have the team come. We're going to pray. We have the team come sing one more song. We'll be dismissed together. We're not going to belabor the point. Anybody who comes to the altar can always stay as long as they want to. We sing one song and everybody's dismissed who needs to be dismissed. For the next three minutes or four minutes, however long this song takes, give God a chance. Give the Holy Spirit a chance to start pointing out to you the areas of need in your life. Not so that you can be condemned, so you can be free. Okay? And you can come and pray about anything come pray start pray about these issues if you've got anything going on in your life that you need prayer for you come on down we pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's covenant living broadcast to find out more information about our ministry just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org you can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.